When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Wednesday, Secret Squad. I'm Robin McGraw with a brand new episode of I've Got a Secret. Today's episode is going to be so inspiring. I'm chatting with environmental activist and author Hannah Testa, who also happens to be just 18 years old. Hannah is the founder of the nonprofit Hannah for Change, which is dedicated to fighting crucial issues affecting our planet. She was named one of People Magazine's 10 Girls Changing the World and one of Teen Vogue's 21 Under 21. Hannah's new book, Taking on the Plastics Crisis, reveals how she led a grassroots campaign to pass legislation limiting single-use plastics and how she influenced global businesses to adopt more sustainable practices. I'm thrilled that she's speaking with us today, Secret Squad. This is The Secret to Saving Our Planet. Oh, Hannah, thank you so very much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, you have no idea. I'm like humbled. I'm like (laughs) impressed. I'm like overwhelmed. I'm like so everything. I am just in love with you. Oh, thank you. The list could just go on for the entire podcast. I'm just really, really proud to have you. Thank you for being my guest. Oh my goodness, you are so sweet. I'm so honored to be here. This is such a gift. Thank you. Oh, wow. Well, to say that you are an inspiration is truly an understatement. So let me ask you, do you remember the first time that you realized you wanted to make a difference? I do. And my story is very interesting. I've always had such a love and passion for the planet and for the environment and other animals, even from a young age, but I think the very first moment I knew I wanted to do something was when I was around 10 years old. I mean, I've had a passion since I was even in kindergarten. That was my first time really speaking with my classmates and uh, talking about Earth Day and why we celebrate it. But it was when I was 10, when I was learning about endangered animal species. And it broke my heart to hear as a fourth grader that the animals I loved could go extinct during my lifetime. And I knew that I had to do something and I had to get involved. And so I was able to do what most 10 year olds would do and go online and find organizations were getting involved in what they were doing to help protect the animals I loved. And I pitched in to help. And my very first project, I was collecting petitions to help save black rhinos. And I told my mom about it. And I said, I wanna get them 500 petitions. And my mom, I think, was a little shocked because we also just moved here. And she said, we don't know 30 people. How are we supposed to get 500? Um, But fortunately, they were able to support me and knew that I would reach my goal of 500. And uh, around two months later, I came back with 1,800 petitions. Wow. That is so impressive. My next question was going to be, what animals disappointed you that they could be extinct? Yes. Growing up, one of my favorite animals has always been elephants and learning how elephants are being poached for their tusks, their ivory tusks, was truly heart-wrenching at such a young age. But then also 
through work through elephants and rhinos, I've been able to work on orcas and dolphins, chimpanzees, bears, all different kinds of animals. So it's led me to so many different things. And of course, leading me ultimately to plastic pollution and the work that I do today. Right, right. I'm just, I'm so touched that at such a young age that you were inspired so much to get started even then. And you had that many signatures on your petition. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. I love that. You know, I have a granddaughter that just turned 11 and she loves animals just like you do. So it really touches my heart. Do you think that your upbringing impacted the way you looked at the world? Because I'm just curious how you think your parents (laughs) and just generally adults can work to inspire and support young adults like yourself. So do you really think it was your upbringing? I think my upbringing definitely had an impact on the person I am today and the work that I do. My parents installed in me at a very young age to take care of the planet and treat animals and people the way you would want to be treated. So growing up with these morals and also my mom is originally from London, England. So I've always grew up, you know, taking reasonable bags to the store and uh, trying to be more environmentally friendly. I grew up with an organic garden in my backyard. So some of my earliest memories are me spending time outdoors and being outside. And so I think that truly got me connected to nature and truly understand that we have to do so much to help protect it. I love that. I read that you were even three years old when you said to your mom in the grocery store, you noticed that you were the only ones that had recyclable sacks for your groceries and it bothered you. Yeah, I was in the car and I asked my mom in my, my car seat, I said, Mom, why are we the only people that care about our planet? And my mom said, what, what are you talking about? And I said, we're the only ones with reusable bags. And no, everyone else had the plastic bags. And so even from a young age, understanding and making the connections that you know our daily actions have an impact um, definitely played a role. Did you have a pet from the time you were born? I did grow up with a golden retriever and he passed away when I was around four. Um, and now I have another dog now. His name's Butterball that we rescued. Uh, so we do sometimes have pets in the house and we, we love taking care of animals. I love that. We're big pet lovers and we've always had dogs. I grew up with dogs. Philip grew up with cats and our first grandchildren with our oldest son, Avery and London, they're 17 months apart. They have cats at home. They actually have a hairless cat, a Sphinx cat. Yeah, they just love it so much and I don't blame them. They also have a rabbit and our grandson has a chameleon. He's really into reptiles. It's so fun. (laughs) But they wanted a dog a couple of years ago. And I understood that mom and dad, they said, no, we can't have a dog in the house. We have a cat. And I completely understood it. So I asked them first if I could buy them a dog and let it live at our house. And they said, yes. So we all researched and I got them a Cavapoo, a King Charles Cavalier and Poodle mix. And they named it Buttons. So I always like to ask about children's animals and what they named it. (laughs) Okay, so what would you say to someone who might not take a young person as seriously as they should? Mm, That's a tough question because sometimes I think it's hard to change people's mindsets when they're stuck with that mentality of, oh, you're just a kid. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Because I've definitely experienced that just because of my age. It's a lot of obstacles of people doubting my credibility and what I'm talking about. Um, but I think it's also important that adults support young people in this movement. And I'm so 
fortunate that my parents have been so supportive of the work that I've done over the years because that's the foundation that I have and continuing the work that I do. So without adult support and mentors, whether it's parents, teachers, family members, um, or even just other adult mentors you look up to, they help pave the way for young people in this space and help motivate us and encourage us and give us the support that we really need. So it's so important to have those adult mentors in your life and support them. So instead of creating another obstacle for young people, be there for them and support them. Oh, I love that answer. That's beautiful. Growing up, did you ever receive negative attention from your peers for being so involved in creating change? And I hope you got support instead, but. I did. And I think I, I started at a young age, around 10 years old. So, you know, navigating middle school and high schools, a challenge for, you know, most people. Um, so kind of knowing from a young age that I was different and the work that I do isn't what you know most students do. I did get some negative attention, whether it was you know, online or in person, but I was so fortunate to have so many of my peers and my classmates truly appreciate the work that I do and support the work that I do. And I think it's also because I've been teaching them along the way. And so as time's gone on and I've, I've been able to help teach them and encourage them to join me, I think there's definitely been more of that encouragement and more people getting involved. Oh, I love that. Like just now, I'm sure you've encouraged everyone listening and they can take that information and encourage others to listen and always be supportive of those who are wanting to change our planet for the better. We need more love and compassion in the world. My mom says that almost every day. And even just something as, you know, listening to someone or uh, smiling to someone on the street, just simple acts of kindness can go so far. Oh, I so agree. When you said smile, that was something I was going to say as well. I think a smile makes such a difference. Just a smile on your face Mm -hmm. to a stranger makes such a difference in this world. It truly does. Was it ever challenging to find friends that shared your passion? Starting off, it was a lot harder. And I think because no one else in my community really did what I did. I wasn't really on social media um, so it's just working, you know, within my community, it was hard at first. I felt very isolated because not everybody understood what I was doing. But as I started getting more on social media and connecting with people in other parts of the world and saying, hey, you do what I do and we have the same passions. That's how I've over the years been able to create like this activist family and a group of people that I've been able to work with and even, you know, been able to turn to and have a shoulder to cry on when I need it. So I've been able to find so many incredible people and truly another family uh, through the work that I do. So there's so many other youth activists out there. And now I don't feel as alone. Oh, I love it. Support is so important. I read that you believe in three main steps to getting involved. Find your why, educate yourself and advocate. Can you explain these for the listeners? Of course. So I always say uh, finding your why is so important. Um, and that's really the, the foundation that you have uh, to really get involved in activism and taking on action. Your why is what drives you to take action, what motivates you to keep going whenever you face any obstacles and really inspire you to keep going. And I always say that's the key foundation to start. And for me, my why is that I want to live on a planet that doesn't need protecting. So it's so important that you have that foundation to start Um, And then next was education. It's so important that before you take action, you learn as much as you can on the issue. Um, You want to arm yourself with knowledge. So then from there, you can help educate other people. And then that's where you can really start and advocate and taking on the challenge. And 
through educating yourself, hopefully you found other solutions and ways to advocate on these issues, but you want to turn that knowledge into action. And there's so many different ways to advocate for change. There's not one said solution. There's no right or wrong solution. Um, it can be through campaigns. It can be through art, policy, or science. Uh, for me, I am more comfortable talking in front of people and doing public speaking and education. And I know that's not for everybody. So use whatever natural talents you already have to put your best foot forward. I love those answers. What do you think holds people back from creating significant change? There's a great quote that I love from Robert Swan, and he said, the greatest threat to our planet is the belief that somebody else will save it. And I think that's what, that holds a lot of people back. I think we often think that, oh, somebody else will fix it. This isn't my problem, or I'm just one person. You know, what could I possibly do? And people don't realize how much power we all truly hold as individuals, as consumers, as constituents, with our actions that we take, with our voices, we truly hold so much power. And once you can really tap into that power and utilize it, that's where we really create change. And there's also so much power in numbers. You may feel small as one person, but once you get your friends and your family involved and have a tribe of people behind you, that's where you truly see change. But I think oftentimes people don't fully understand these issues. There's also a lot of misinformation um, when we talk about environmental issues and knowledge truly is power. And so a key component of many of these issues is education, talking about these issues, why there's such a big problem and solutions of how we can get involved and connecting these people to these issues and they can fully understand it, I think compels people to take action too. So we also just really need to educate as many people as we can. That is so true. You know, one thing I thought of when I asked you that question, sometimes I think we all get in a comfort zone and we think, oh, I'm okay not doing anything because just as you said, someone else will do it for me. I believe it should be done, but I'll let someone else do it because I'm kind of in a comfort zone here and Mm -hmm. I don't really know how to do it. So I'm just going to sit back and let someone else do it. So I love what you said. Educate yourself so you will know how to do it. So you will know Mm -hmm. how to make change. I have a foundation when Georgia smiled and Mm -hmm. we focus on domestic violence and sexual assault. Mm -hmm. And when I speak about it to large groups, I always say, I think it's so important to educate yourself Mm -hmm. on the signs of domestic violence so you will know when it's happening to those that you love are those that you are around every day. Education is so key. I agree. So I know that you are so knowledgeable and passionate about reducing plastic pollution. I believe it is a dense topic. So let's start with the basics. Why are plastics so harmful to the environment? One of the main problems with plastic is that it's actually made of fossil fuels. 99% of all plastics made come from fossil fuels, which you know, we have a limited amount of fossil fuels already. We already have wars over these natural resources and we use plastics for just a few minutes in most cases and then throw it away. And with plastics, unfortunately, it doesn't really go away. Plastic lasts on our planet for hundreds of years. And so it'll outlive oftentimes me and you and our children, sometimes our grandchildren for such a short use such a short life for these plastic products. And it breaks up into smaller and smaller pieces, but they never really disappear. And these are the plastics called microplastic that's 
in our oceans and being ingested by marine life. And now it's being found into our own food chain. We're finding it in our drinking water, the air we breathe, the food we eat. And we're still learning on what that means for our own bodies. We're finding that some of the toxic chemicals in plastic is linked to, is carcinogenic. Um, it's also hormone disruptors. It, it's not good for us, but also for the planet that it's clogging our landfills. And so we're having to make more space, more deforestation to make landfills. And it's also a huge waste when we could be recycling these plastics and not using it in the first place. Also, when we incinerate plastics, or some people call it waste to energy, unfortunately, the toxins that are in these plastics, when we incinerate them, are going into the air. And it's hurting the communities that live there. And unfortunately, it's oftentimes marginalized communities. And so they're breathing in this toxic air. And the list could really go on and on. Plastic also contributes to climate change. It releases, um, it emits greenhouse gases as it breaks down, but also it's just a very carbon intensive process to manufacture and produce and transport. Uh, so the list can keep going. Plastics is harmful in almost every way. And the problem isn't just plastics in general, but the single use plastics. That is really just for convenience. And then we throw away is such a huge waste and it's so awful that we're still, even, even though plastics has only been around for around a hundred years, it's fairly new. We have such a heavy reliance on single-use plastics. If we feel good about recycling plastic, mm -hmm. that's really not the answer. Is that what you're saying? Correct. So Unfortunately, we, recycling yeah. isn't the solution. Um, I think we've all been taught that recycling is the best thing you can do. But unfortunately, that's just kind of been what we've been marketed. Market, recycling is great for you know, paper and glass and aluminum. But when it comes to plastics, it's so complicated and so tricky. And unfortunately, instead of recycling most of the plastic that we put in the recycling bins, they're actually shipped out to other countries, mainly in Asia, uh, where they have to deal with it in their countries. And oftentimes, that's where plastic ends up in the ocean is from those coastlines in Asia but it's also impacting the communities there as well. I've met activists that live in Indonesia and China and their communities are been turned into slums from westernized trash that we use. So unfortunately, recycling when it comes to plastic isn't as picture perfect as we've been taught. If it was how we thought it would work, then it'd be a perfect solution. But unfortunately, recycling isn't working for plastics and we need to find other ways uh, to reuse and repurpose plastic. Wow. So are you saying the answer is stop using plastic altogether? Exactly. I always, whenever I'm talking with kids, we've all learned the three R's, reduce, reuse, and recycle. But I always like to add two more, refuse and raise awareness. So we want to refuse single-use plastics wherever possible and use alternatives instead. And then also raise awareness, as we talked about earlier, how education is so important. So when the plastics end up in the ocean, that is so dangerous. I'm so interested in what you just said about when we recycle and it ends up in the ocean, it goes to other countries. So mm -hmm. it is just spreading all over the world and harming so many people. So mm -hmm. are the wildlife, the, are the fish, everything in the ocean, are they ingesting it? They are. Over... Scientists break that over 1 million seabirds and over 100,000 marine life die each year due to plastic pollution. And unfortunately, the numbers keep growing because more plastic is ending up in the ocean and 
they're mistaking it for food. And so they eat it and um, it just sits in their stomach and they starve to death or they get entangled or strangled in plastics. And we're finding it in almost every corner of the world. We're finding plastics in our lakes, in our rivers, and of course in our oceans. And unfortunately, we're finding it again on our own plates when we're eating seafood. Uh, we're finding plastics in the bellies of the food that we're eating. So it's having such a huge impact. And it's also, it starts off even with the microscopic marine life in the ocean, like phytoplankton and zooplankton. They're eating these plastics out of small microplastics and it's going up and up into the food chain. And when you look at the top of the food chain, like uh, large mammals like whales or looking at sharks and dolphins, um, the toxic chemicals and plastics are causing infertility and high infant mortality rates. So it's even reducing the chances of oftentimes these endangered species to reproduce. What about humans getting into the ocean for mm. activity? Are we being harmed by just being in the ocean? I don't think so. I, I don't really have an answer for that. I can just think, of it. <laughs> but I'll, I'll look into that and I will let you know. But I don't believe so, as long as you're not like ingesting the salt water while you're swimming. Of course, you probably do a little bit. But well, I that's think that's good to know. That's good to know because, you know, think how many people get in the ocean. Yeah, I think the ocean itself is fine, but there's definitely specific rivers. Um, I know in India, the Ganges River, a lot of people still go in there and swim and bathe, and that's really bad for you. So it really just depends on what body of water you're in and how polluted it is. Depends on what your body takes in and takes out. But I think the ocean in general is oh, fine. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm going to keep my grandchildren out of the ocean. <laughs> The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. So on every podcast, we do two things. And the first thing we do is the drink of the day. And yeah. we always create the drink of the day according to our beautiful guest and the topic. So today's drink is inspired by your work to keep the earth happy and healthy. It's called the Ecolicious Green Juice. <laughs> so sadly, because we're not here together, we cannot both enjoy this, but this was created in your honor. And so oh, to make this you. beautiful green juice, you take one half head of celery that's chopped, one organic cucumber chopped, one handful of organic parsley chopped in half, one half bundle of organic kale chopped in thirds, one three inch piece of ginger chopped. I love ginger. One small organic green apple with the stem removed, sliced. One medium lemon, peeled and sliced. You run all of the ingredients through the juicer and pour into a glass or a mason jar. You can keep the juice refrigerated for up to 48 hours. Mine is garnished with a celery stick and parsley. So I want all of our listeners to know that they can go to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com and you can see the drink and you can get the recipe. So cheers in your honor. This is for you. 
Thank you. I'll definitely be making that at home. Oh, good. It's very, very delicious. I'm going to take a sip in honor of you. Mm, That's so good. And you'll notice I have a green straw as well. (laughs) Okay. So how long does it take to naturally break down plastic? Plastics, it depends on the type of plastic. It can be anywhere from a few decades to hundreds or even thousands of years. And as I said, because plastic is still a fairly new product, only being used for around 100 years, we don't really have an exact answer of how long it will remain on planet for. But as it breaks up into these microplastics, these small plastic pieces, they really just keep getting smaller and smaller. So they never fully disappear. They become microscopic and they've even been seen transporting between cells. That's how small these plastic molecules become. And so there's not an exact date. I usually say hundreds of years, kind of the middle in between. Um, But even with no matter how small these plastics are, they still contain so much toxic chemicals in it. And it's being found practically everywhere. Again, in the air we breathe, um, it's even being found in our rainwater. It's being found in Arctic glaciers. Microplastics has pretty much touched every corner of our world. I read that 40% of plastic produced every year is only single use. Is that true? Unfortunately, it is. We produce so much plastic just, again, to be used once and then thrown away. And that's the biggest problem. Plastics is a great product overall when you look at the innovation that we've been able to create with plastic and even in the medical field. But when it comes to things like single-use plastics where it's really unnecessary, that's the biggest problem of plastic pollution. And there's an estimated 8 million tons of plastic that enter the ocean each year. That's equal to one truckload of trash going into the ocean every minute. And oftentimes, that's single-use plastic. So majority of ocean plastic are finding the single-use plastics or fishing gear uh, that's just being thrown overboard. Those are the kinds of plastics that we're seeing out in the ocean. Oh, wow. Are we now currently producing more or less plastic than in previous years? Unfortunately, again, the numbers are still growing. We're still producing more plastic than ever before. Part of it is also with the pandemic that plastic production has increased, recycling has decreased. Um, So more new plastic is being produced because it's cheaper. Um, But also for, you know, with the pandemic, we're wrapping more things in plastic and trying to be safer, which is understandable. But a lot more single-use plastics, a lot of takeout, a lot of online shopping, packaging, So there's a lot of single-use plastics that we're using as we're staying home. Um, But then also with climate change on everyone's minds and we're focusing on renewable energy, so is the fossil fuel industry. So now they're investing more into plastics um, instead of using fossil fuels and other products for energy. They're looking towards plastics. So unfortunately, plastic production is still increasing, even though we're still talking about plastics and doing as much as we can. There's still so much more we have to do to reduce those numbers. Let's talk about your book, Taking on the Plastics Crisis. Who did you write this book for? The book is mainly for young people. I would say it's for all ages, but I wrote it for other young people and mainly for kids like me when I was young and was interested and really wanted to do something but wasn't sure where to start or how to turn that passion into action. And I talk about my story, how I got involved into activism in the first place and how I really took that first step into turning that passion to action. 
um, but also talking more in depth on the issue of plastic pollution, pretty much what we're talking about today, more in depth on why it's such a big issue, talking about why recycling and cleanups are great, but they're not the best solution when it comes down to it. Um, and then going back to the five R's, reduce, reuse, recycle, refuse, and raise awareness. And I also share stories of other young people um, in the plastic pollution movement and their successful campaigns they've worked on, uh, because I am not the only young person in this movement. And it's always so important to highlight other young people and their successful campaigns to also inspire and motivate other young people that want to get started. Uh, so the book, uh, I'm pushing to get into schools. It's an educational resource. And I'm also collecting donations right now uh, to sponsor copies of my book to schools and marginalized communities as well. Oh, that's wonderful. I have to tell you that I think your book is brilliant. And I just want to put out there right now that I think it should be a required book for every <laughs> young person. I'm not even going to say an age. It should just become required reading oh, every you. young person. Well, you're welcome. And every adult. I think it's brilliant. I hope thank every you. adult out there picks this book up and reads it because you are extremely inspiring. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, I put a lot of effort into the book, of course. It took about a year to write. It is a fairly short book, if you look at it. It's around 60 pages. They're trying to, you know, condense this large issue. And if uh, just a couple pages was... A, it was hard. I could have read a yeah. whole novel yeah. on yeah. Um, plastic pollution, but I wanted to make sure that it was easy for young people to read and understand because sometimes these issues are so scientific and it's hard for you know the everyday person or for young people to understand and what they're saying. So making it understandable for kids um, and also inspiring and motivating for them at any age was always in the back of my mind. And I'm so happy with what we we're able to put together. Yes. So how old were you, would you say, when you actually started writing the book and researching was, that? Because I've written books. I know how long mm -hmm. it takes to write the book, edit the book, get the book printed, get it out there. Mm -hmm. You're 18 right now. How old do you think you were when you actually got started the process of writing this book? Yeah, when I first made the outline, I believe I was 16 years old. So 16 to 17, I was writing the book and it came out October of last year. So right before my 18th birthday. Well, congratulations. Again, that's why I think this should be required reading. It's amazing. Thank you. So again, just tell a reader what they can learn from your book. Of course. So again, I talk a little bit about myself, but mainly more about the core issue of plastic pollution, um, how it's impacting our oceans and marine life, how it's connected to climate change. Um, and then also talking about recycling and cleanups, how they're great, but they're not the best solution, and how refusing single-use plastics and raising awareness is a great way to help reduce the plastic pollution crisis. And also advocating for change, like with policy and science, uh, helping to create businesses to become more sustainable, and even just with our own daily actions, refusing single-use plastics wherever possible. Something simple like, you know, bring your own reusable bags to the store or bring your own reusable water bottles and even just voting with your wallet and supporting businesses that are doing good. And of course, voting with your ballot and supporting uh, politicians that are supporting environmental bills. Yes. Well, you've certainly inspired me. After reading the book, I am so inspired. What can the everyday person do on a daily basis to reduce plastic mm -hmm. waste? Ooh, that's a great question. I'm so happy to answer that. Yay. Again, refusing single-use plastics is one of the biggest things that we can do on a daily basis. 
Um, but also just educating yourself and educate other people, your friends, your family, um, sharing resources on how other people can get involved. I love watching documentaries. So um, being able to share documentaries for people to watch. Um, a great one is The Story of Plastic. I always recommend that one. Um, it follows the whole journey of plastics, not just plastics out in the ocean is the problem, but also when it comes out of the wellhead and its whole process leading up to it being plastic in the ocean. Um, but also things like um, plastic is in practically everything and even our clothes. So even when you're shopping, uh, try and buy clothes that aren't made of polyester and nylon because every time you wash it or even just wear it, it sheds plastic microfibers, um, especially when you wash it into our water streams. Um, and also simple things that you can do whenever you're outside or on a walk, just clean up any litter that you see. Something as simple as that uh, can have such a big impact because when it rains, all the litter that you see will make its way into uh, the drains and make its way into the rivers, which lead out into the ocean. So something simple like that, and even just wherever you can recycle plastics, it's better than landfill. Um, but just if you do have to use plastics, recycle it wherever possible. Oh, I love that. I love that. So let's say you're at the grocery store and need to buy something in a container. What is the best material to buy? It's always the best material, I like to say, is when you're buying with your own reusable products. So sometimes you can buy in bulk. I usually go to Sprouts and I have scoop in their products like nuts or snacks into my own bags. So pretty much having no uh, packaging possible, just bringing my own is always my favorite. But I know not all stores have that available. Um, so wherever you can, try and use paper or glass. Aluminum is also a good one as well. Um, and if you do have to buy things in plastic, try and buy in bulk instead of buying the individual. So buying in bulk reduces the amount of plastic that you're using overall. Oh, this has all been fantastic. Having spent time with you, I can just tell that you have so many plans and goals <laughs> to create more change. Can you share with us what the future holds for you? Yes, well, I just graduated high school, actually, so I'm going to attend Vanderbilt University in the fall, and I'm <laughs> yeah, congratulations. And I'm to, oh, thank you so much. That means a lot, and uh, I'm hoping to pursue kind of environmental policy. I'm going to study environmental sociology, but kind of focusing on environmental legislation and kind of continuing the work that I do now, but more into the policy space because I've always been super passionate about, you know, legislation, creating environmental policy that helps better protect our planet. Uh, so that's what I'm planning to continue doing. I'm just in awe of you. And one more time, could you tell our listeners everything that you've achieved, all of these wonderful accolades, these awards that you've been given? Yeah, well, one of my main projects was I established Plastic Pollution Awareness Day in the state of Georgia, and I was 14, and that's February 15th. And now there's young people in Ohio, as well as British Columbia, Canada, that have recreated the day there as well. Um, I help with policy locally and as well as statewide and federally regarding plastic pollution and also endangered animal species as well. I love sharks, so I help advocate for sharks as well. Um, and I've also been able to work with Ocean Heroes Boot Camp, help advocate for other young people to get involved in campaigns and really help get them started on their activism journey. And I've worked with the Break Free from Plastic Coalition. Uh, it's an organization that works on campaigns. So it's a number of organizations 
joining together, working on different campaigns, such as influencing Starbucks to invest in a more sustainable coffee cup. Uh, we're currently working on a campaign. Um, we call it Plastic Free President, but um, it's eight actions that President Biden can take to reduce the plastic pollution crisis um, while he's in office. And none of these items have to go through Congress. Uh, so it's just simple list. I say simple. It's not as simple like I could do it, but uh, a list uh, that we've laid out for him of actions that he can take in office, like executive actions that he can take um, or delegating. And I also help advocate for the National Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act, which is the first federal bill here in the U.S. regarding plastic pollution. Uh, so I always encourage people to support that bill, reach out to your representatives to support that bill, ask for their support. Uh, that bill would uh, phase out certain types of single-use plastics. It would also hold the producers of plastics, so the companies making these plastic products, more responsible for the waste instead of our local municipalities in charge of it, making them in charge of it, and also having uh, stations at grocery stores to bring back beverages, including plastic, but also aluminum and glass um, to bring back and get a deposit back to reduce the litter that we have of uh, beverage containers and mainly plastic bottles. I love hearing all of that. I said earlier that we do two things in the podcast and the second thing we do with every podcast is we play a game. How do you feel oh, about games. games? Do you like games? I love games. <laughs> I love games. Good. I love games too. That's why I said when I started the podcast, we're going to play a game. So Hannah, at this point, we all know that you are a big ocean lover. And today, as we're taping, it happens to be World Ocean Day. It is. <laughs> I was going to say Happy World Ocean Day, but I wasn't sure when this is coming out. <laughs> well, Happy World Ocean Day to you, too. Can you believe that? <laughs> I mean, we didn't plan it either. It just happens that we're actually taping this podcast today. So in today's game, I'm going to test your knowledge about the ocean, but oh, probably <laughs> not in the way that you would expect. In this rapid fire game, you have three minutes to answer these pop culture questions relating to the ocean in some way. You are allowed to pass on a question and come back to it later. If you can get 10 correct, you will win one of our I've Got a Secret thermoses. Oh, and it's not plastic. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so are you ready? I hope so. <laughs> okay. I think you're going to do just great. Okay. Let's I think see. this will truly show my age. I know. I think, culture. I, think you're gonna, I think you're going to do great. Okay. Okay. First one. This cartoon character has a pineapple for a home. Oh, SpongeBob. Yes. This film starred Kate Blanchett, Sandra Bullock, and Rihanna. Ocean's 8. Yes. This hit Disney show is about a family living on a cruise ship. A sweet life on deck? Yes. The quote, fish are friends, not food, comes from this movie. Finding Nemo. Yes. <laughs> this song catapulted Billie Eilish into pop fame at only 14 years old. Ocean Eyes. Yes. Celine Dion's 1998 Oscar win for Best Original Song came from this movie. Titanic? Yes. This five-person rock band is known for their California-sounding good vibes. Ooh, Maroon 5? No, no, the Beach Boys. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. 
Now that was your age showing. Yeah. <laughs> Name that. the lead song from The Little Mermaid. Oh, um, A Whole New World? Under the Sea. Or Under the Sea? <laughs> Johnny Depp's character in Pirates of the Caribbean. Jack Sparrow. Yes. What kind of fish is Nemo? He's, oh, he's a grown fish. Yes. <laughs> Bravo's popular reality show following the staff on cruise ships. Oh, is it Below Deck? Yes. George Clooney's character in Ocean's Eleven. Oh, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Danny, Danny Ocean. Discovery Channel's biggest week of the summer. Shark Week. Yes. This group sang Cake by the Ocean. Oh, DNCE. Yes, yes. Okay, the last question. We have a bonus lightning round. Ooh, okay. And you have 30 seconds to come up with as many three or more letter words from the word ocean. Ooh. An example would be the word can, C-A-N. Okay, oh, so okay. I'm going to hold this up so you can see it. Uh, okay, I'm gonna be writing these down. <laughs> okay, you can look at the word. Okay, go. Okay, um, uh, ace. Yeah. A-C-E. Um, cone. C O N E. Yes. And cane. C A N E. Yes. Um, I don't know if I can use ocean. Um, Oh, time's up. Okay. <laughs> that was pretty good. This is yeah, one of my yeah. favorite games to play. I'm going to read you okay. my list I did in 30 seconds. Okay. okay. I did. Kane, Cone, Eon, Ace, oh. One, Con, Can, Acne, and get this, <laughs> Canoe. <laughs> oh, Wow. <laughs> You did much better than I did. I love this kind of a game. That's why we played it. And maybe I didn't get canoe in the 30 seconds, actually. <laughs> that's right. I would never have gotten canoe. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's all the time we have today. Thank you so much for talking with me today, Hannah. Of course. Thank you so much for having me oh. again. This has been so much fun and I'm so grateful to be here. Oh, wow. Well, you are such an inspiration. Can you tell the Secret Squad how to learn more about you, your foundation, and your new book online? Of course. Well, you can find out more on hannahforchange.org, and that's the digit four. Um, same uh, for all social media platforms, it's Hannah for Change. Um, and you can also find a link to my book, Taking on the Plastics, on Hand for Change website. But it's also available um, online where you shop for books. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you can find it there. That's wonderful. And Secret Squad, make sure to rate and review this podcast on Apple. And follow I've Got a Secret podcast on Instagram for drink recipes, outfit photos, and tons of fun videos. I'll see you next Wednesday. Bye-bye.